What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today podcast. As always, my name is Noble. I'm joined here with my co-host, Wheeler. Today, we have a very special episode. If you notice, we do not have an intro onto this episode. It is, as Wheeler said, an all-gas, no-breaks podcast. He just wants the content out here. And before we get started, there's a lot that's happened since our last podcast. We're going to get back into our weekly flow. Wheeler's been a little busy um, you know, he he just had an announcement that he is going to be a father. So we can clap. I'll clap it up for Wheeler right here in our in our uh, in our studio. But uh, congratulations, Wheeler. You know, the, the Auburn Today family is growing and maybe one day we'll have uh, Wheeler's child on the on the pod with us. Yeah, maybe next year he'll give uh, more intelligent takes than you will, and he can't even talk yet. I do think it will be interesting. You know, this is a, a generation that is, that is coming up that is going to be able to see, you know, a generation that's growing up with the internet. You know, we kind of came up, we didn't have as many pod, you know, that kind of came up as we were growing up. So you're going to have like a child that can go and look at every wrong take you've made and can call you like even takes that you made that seem totally fair. And he can be like, dad, you said that Peyton Thorne starting week one was going to be a trivia question someday. <laughs> and he will be able to call you out on everything, which is uh, a very risky endeavor. But regardless, uh, since our last podcast, Auburn has had a few changes on the football staff. We'll start with kind of the, the football area before we move into basketball. But so we have Cadillac Williams and Zach Etheridge are no longer on the staff. Um, hired Derek Nix as the offensive coordinator, promoted Kent Austin to QB coach. I think that that was something that we all kind of knew was in the works. Uh, right when Philip Montgomery, when it became evident that he was going to be fired, it seemed like Kent Austin was the most logical choice for that QB coach spot. Um, then on the other side of the state, you obviously have Nick Saban retiring and all the all the chaos that has ensued up north in Tuscaloosa that Auburn has somewhat benefited from directly with uh, landing Antonio Kite from the transfer portal from Alabama. Uh, but we either just kind of give us your thoughts right now on just the state of Auburn football right now, still waiting on that D.C. hire, expecting that to come somewhat soon. Chris Kiffin is a name that's been thrown around a lot. Uh, you know, possibly if the Texans lose today, maybe that if that is the hire, it will be announced uh, pretty shortly. But just give us your thoughts on on Auburn staff right now and kind of how the turnover will affect the team in 2024. Yeah, well, thank you for finally making time to speak to me again. Uh, yeah, I mean, the content king is back and we're excited. Uh, no, I think that a lot of good things are happening right now. Uh, I think seeing... Cadillac and Zach Etheridge go is obviously uh, not ideal, not exactly what you would like to happen. Um, from all reports that come out, though, it was something that just had to happen. Uh, so hopefully everything is okay with them outside of football. I think that you can look at Lane Kiffin's uh, Twitter account right now and tell that Auburn is getting a really, really valuable piece in Derek Nix. And when you have somebody that stays on a staff for 16 years, I mean, if you stay at a school for 16 years, it, it's not necessarily that you are an elite football coach. It is that you have elite relationships, either in the state where you are or a neighboring state. And so if you kind of look at who he recruits, he is the Alabama. Is there any way we can get your ringer to turn off? I mean, Mike, Gosh, I think man. you can mute it. I don't know if that's going to affect the podcast at all. We're going to ride with it. I don't know if Noble's that popular or if he's just 
stalking somebody in a group chat. Well, the X group me. chat, the Come group on, chat is muted on my phone, but it won't mute on the computer. I don't know how to turn it off on the the computer notification, so we're just gonna have to to hope that this doesn't affect the uh, the podcast at all. But continue. No, well, you're just trying to go down, down, down on the sound quality. You're trying to kill the pod, man. Anyway, Derek Nix. Huge for the brand. He is going to be the relationship guy for Mississippi and a little bit of Alabama. And especially with Nick Saban uh, leaving Alabama and then bringing in Brian Harson 2.0, having the relationship guy is massive. Um, so I, I'm excited about the hires we've made. I, I think that with the D.C. announcement not being made and the Texans obviously still being in the playoffs, it, the writing is on the wall that it is Chris Kiffin and that it's just a matter of time until we announce. I think that it will be good to finally have a defensive coordinator uh, coming in to help recruit. But your main recruiters right now, I think, are going to be uh, Wesley McGriff, affectionately known as Crime, um, and then Charles Kelly. And so it's not like you don't have anybody recruiting. And Ron Roberts leaving, there, there wasn't – Ron Roberts wasn't bringing in all of your top talent. So you, you haven't lost much recruiting-wise by not naming the D.C. So I think Auburn is in a good place right now. Uh, what else were we going to – oh, Nick Saban retiring. Man, nobody saw that coming. And I think that this is – it couldn't have worked out better for Hugh Freeze in terms of the opportunity that he has right now. But the pressure for Hugh Freeze is going to be – more immense, I think, because if he lets uh, DeBoer come in and overtake him on the recruiting trail as well, I think that's going to rub a lot of Auburn people the wrong way. I think that Auburn coaches since 2000 and probably I'd say since 2008 have had a hall pass on not beating Alabama in recruiting. There is no reason Auburn should not be on par or I, I think it should go back and forth every year between Auburn and Alabama. There's no reason now. Nick Saban was coach of a generation. Understand you're not going to out-recruit them. There's no reason now. I mean, Auburn used to beat Alabama in recruiting battles. When you look back to the fear of the thumb era, Auburn was beating Alabama in recruiting, and that's why Alabama finally went out and got Nick Saban. Mm -hmm. So we, we have to get back to that. We have the facilities. We have the money. And I'll be intrigued to see how the NIL collective over at Alabama uh, works out. It seems like there's a – a little bit of a power struggle there where Saban's still trying to hold everything together, but the the powers that be are kind of pulling in Auburn right now. And I don't think that they're as unified as Auburn is. And so this is a, an important year for Hugh Freeze to strike while the iron's hot. I think it's tough that we have Peyton Thorne as our quarterback to do that. I think I think Walker White might have a chance. I mean, I know that we're just kind of hitting every single piece of news, but I think Walker White genuinely might have a chance to be the starting quarterback this year, solely because I didn't think that Peyton Thorne did that much more than what, I, say, a Bo Nix did his freshman year. If anything, I think Bo Nick, freshman Bo Nix was more effective than fifth-year senior Peyton Thorne was. And I think that Walker White could come in and be freshman Bo Nix. I mean, he he had offers from very similar teams, he was a similar, similarly ranked recruit. He's not as much of a run threat as Bo was, but I think that his arm, I mean, he has a cannon for an arm. I, I think that passing-wise, he's a little bit more developed than Bo. And I think that that's one of the reasons you're not seeing a transfer portal quarterback come in. I think that 
the hope is that Walker White or Hank Brown or one of these other guys, I, I don't think Holden Gurner is going to be competing for the starting position at all. I think that that was made evident by who played in the bowl game. So I'll be intrigued to see at quarterback because I think that the pressure's on now this season. You need to have an equal or better record than Alabama this season. In my opinion, I think that that's the new benchmark for this season. Now that Nick Saban's retired, I think that it's not – not necessarily making the playoff is the expectation, but it's pretty near it. I think you want to try and be at least in the top 25 at the end of the season and have a competitive class with Alabama. And I think that the expectation now is not that you lose the Georgia and Alabama games. It's that you split those games because the thought is Alabama's not the juggernaut they used to be. Bryant Denny Stadium's not the juggernaut of a stadium that maybe uh, Georgia has. And so... I don't know. I, I think that this adds to the pressure on Hugh Freeze because it seems more winnable. It seems more gettable, and we're on more equal footing now. I agree, and I think that the, I, I think that there's a line with the expectations. I agree with you need to be in the top twenty-five. I think you still get a pass for losing those games. A pass, quote unquote. Obviously, no one's going to be happy if you go you know, 0-4 in your first two seasons against your biggest rivals. But I think that if you bring in another top 10 class, then it's like, all right, we're getting there. We're getting to the point that this roster is going to be everyone that's playing was a member of a top 10 class. And when I say and when I say a pass, I'm not I'm not saying that if you don't split those games that you need to be fired. Yeah. Hugh Freeze does not need to be fired. But I think that expectations of where the the fan base is going to feel comfortable with the direction of the program is more what I'm getting at instead of he's going to be fired after this year or even getting fired after year three. I don't want to see Hugh Freeze go away. I want to see some consistency in the program. But I am saying the expectation of, okay, we're progressing towards where we need to be as a program has changed. Yes, I agree. And I think that if you look at with Saban being gone and DeBoer coming in, it changes the perception of that game. And yes, there's still a lot of talent on that roster. So if they like, if Auburn does not win, that's okay. But you have to win more. You have to do better in the other games than you did a month ago. And what I mean by that is you can't lose four games at home like you did this season. You got to be Oklahoma is a game that you have to win. I think that especially if you're not going to beat, I think that out of the the three headed you know red monster of Georgia, Alabama, and Oklahoma, Hugh Freeze has to win one of those games, and I think Oklahoma is the most likely one. It's at home. Venables has not really been the most consistent head coach. They, I mean, Oklahoma has not been what they were under Lincoln Riley. Oklahoma is a big brand. Oklahoma, you know, is going to bring a lot of eyes. That's a game that Auburn needs to win. Georgia is Georgia in Athens. That's going to be difficult. Obviously, we'd want to win that one, but I don't think Auburn's quite there yet. Alabama, I think it'll be interesting. Hugh Freeze did, I mean, he he has he did beat Nick Saban in the prime, you know, closer to the prime of Alabama football, beat them with an Ole Miss team. I think that that is a game to watch with Hugh Freeze going to Bryant-Denny for the first time. And I think that's going to be a big game for DeBoer also. I mean, DeBoer has kind of proven that, you know, he he does rise to the occasion in big games and the very small sample size that we've seen over there at Washington. And, I mean, I, I don't mean to get off topic here too much, but I'm just – I'm still a little shocked that they hired him. You know, I mean, I think that when when Saban retired, we all were like, all right, they're going to get someone 
you know, in my heart of hearts, I thought it was either going to be Lanning or Steve Sarkeesian, which, by the way, that's something something that nobody's really talking about. Steve Sarkeesian has capitalized on Saban's retirement very well, and I wouldn't be surprised if Texas won the SEC next year. No. I think Texas and Georgia will be playing in the SEC championship, but I think that, you know, you look at Texas and Ohio State have really benefited from it, whereas Alabama has not really had an opportunity to benefit from, you know, the transfer portal at all. Judging by, you know, all the guys that they had hit the portal, they didn't really have time. They didn't really have a cream of the crop to get them from. The only schools that are losing guys right now are Alabama, Washington, and Arizona, who are all going through, you know, a different coaching change. I think that the one thing, the the best thing that could happen for Auburn is Harbaugh stays at Michigan this year. And I, I say that because I think that if if Harbaugh leaves – It causes the chain reaction that everyone's been talking about. So Harbaugh goes to the NFL. Let's say Michigan poaches Brian Kelly from LSU. Then all of a sudden, you've got Michigan players entering the portal left and right. You have LSU players entering the portal left and right. And that's when a guy like Kalen DeBoer can capitalize on his bleeding roster and be able to fix it with high-level talent. And right now, he can't do that because there's not any high-level talent in the portal, or there's not enough of it. So I think that that is something that Auburn fans need to watch very closely is the whole hardball situation over there at Michigan. But going back to Auburn, uh, you know, you mentioned Derek Nix. I think that the Derek Nix hire is very interesting. I think it was it was similar to what we said when when Philip Montgomery was fired. We knew that it was going to be a recruiting minded person, and it was going to be Hugh Freeze calling plays. And we always, you know, go with Damian Craig as kind of the the default guy who might get an OC job that's going to focus in recruiting. That is Derek Nix. I mean, Derek Nix has been you know, old Mrs. Damian Craig. You know, Damian Craig is, you know, a guy that's been an elite recruiter for Jimbo Fisher for years. That's what Derek Nix says. And I think that the interesting thing is there are two ways to look at it. When you look at Derek Nix spending 16 years at Ole Miss, you can say, all right, this guy's a really good recruiter that's brought in some talent to Ole Miss, but he's been there for 16 years, never got an OC job, never got promoted to OC at Ole Miss. Even when Lane was there and calling plays, he still didn't get promoted to OC. You know, why is that? Why was he at Ole Miss for so long? Is he focused on building anything? Like, why, why was he there for so long? Or you can look at it from the perspective that a lot of Auburn fans are looking at it right now as, okay, this guy has been there for years. He has relationships. He can get along with anybody. He doesn't make people mad. He's not going to be, you know, a, a locker room cancer. He's going to be a, a really good guy. And so I think that they're definitely uh, an optimist and a pessimistic way to look at it. But I do think that Hugh Freeze is building a staff of people that he is familiar with. And I think that that is something that's really going to be different in 2024 compared to 2023. And I mean, I, you know, I, I think that obviously Cadillac and Zach Etheridge, great, you know, they 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 were they played at Auburn. I don't think that I agree with a lot of people saying that Auburn needs to shy away from hiring the, the Auburn men, you know. And I, I think that th- there is a line. You don't just hire someone because they went to Auburn. But I think that that was something that when Brian Harson hired Zach Etheridge in the first place, it was something where we were like, all right, you know, this is a risk, but he played at Auburn. We're going to ride with it. After one year at Auburn, Georgia wanted to hire him in the same position. Like, obviously, Zach Etheridge is a really good recruiter, and he was really good for Auburn. Cadillac Williams, in my opinion, is a lot better coach than what he is getting credit for. But 
Hugh Freeze was not necessarily familiar with them. He comes in, and a lot of the time, you see a lot of guys get fired. You see a lot of really good coaches get fired. When Brian Harson came in, T-Will gets fired, calls to an uproar, he goes to UCF, and he's now at Arkansas as a D.C., that's what happens in the business is people get fired, people get replaced. Hugh Freeze is building a staff of people he's familiar with, and I think that the staff is going to be a little bit more unified, and I think that there's going to be a lot less internal struggle in 2024 compared to what we saw in 2023 with uh, all the coordinators and all the other position coaches. I mean, think about this. Derek Nix was at Ole Miss before Zach Etheridge played at Auburn. I mean, Derek Nix was at Ole Miss before Nick Saban got to Alabama. He would have watched Brandon Cox play against a team that he was coaching. That is a long time. Very long time. It, that, that is almost impossible. And I think you said, I mean, the ability to get along with people. I think that that is something that's really difficult today and something that Auburn's had some issues with the past couple of staffs where you hear that the staff hates each other mm-hmm. or that there are these massive uproars. And, that, and that's just a bad thing because when you have that, then the team is split and then there's a blame game, and then when you start losing, things really can go and unravel quite quickly. Also, Charles Kelly played at Auburn, yeah. and nobody nobody is saying, "Oh, we we hired him just because he's a Auburn guy." Like you can hire people that played at Auburn, and a lot of coaches that play at Auburn are going to become big time coaches because they they have the connections of an SEC school. So that mm-hmm. that's going to be a common thing. It's not like you know, you're hiring these guys from small-time places. So, I agree. I think that I think that all of the hires so far have been good. I think that getting McGriff to come back was a massive win. I think having Kelly come in and not having him be the D.C. is a massive win because I think that he is great with the recruiting. He is not necessarily as great with the X's and O's. But we also don't know. Everybody says that from his time at Colorado. Colorado was not stacked on defense. Like, they had Travis Hunter, and that was about it. Like, Colorado is not the most talented team in the country, and so it's really hard, even if you're a good X's and O's coordinator, if you have a team that everybody is keyed up and really wants to play and and you're not sneaking up on anybody, and then you're inferior in the talent department, like, it's not going to be an easy road. And the problem with – I think the biggest problem with Charles Kelly, he had to completely rebuild a defense that was bad in the first place, he had to, you know, piece together transfers that had never played together, all played under different schemes, has to scrounge up all these guys to play a defensive scheme. And he it's very rare that you take over as a DC for a bad team and everybody wants to beat you. You know, Colorado, you know, all the Dion stuff. Like you you saw what the what Dan Lanning said to his team and you know in the in the press conference. I mean, it was I mean, everybody wanted to beat Colorado this year, and it did not matter that they were not good. So I I definitely agree with you. I think that Charles Kelly is a much better defensive mind than he gets credit for. I think that recruiting, he's absolutely elite. And I think that if he was the defensive coordinator, I would not be worried, per se. I I think that I would be fine with it. I don't think – I think it would be the kind of thing where you're like, he has a great resume – he might not have been great at Colorado, but he could have been worse at Colorado. But I do agree with you. I think it's great to have a co-DC. I think it's always great to have a co-DC. Yeah. You know, I think that's a really good idea. So I'm happy with Charles Kelly just as much as you are. Well, sure. and I think that when you're at a program like Auburn and you can get a guy who is more proven, like you have the budget to yeah, get a guy that's sure. more proven and you need to win now, it's not bad to get Charles as the co-DC 
see what his thought process is. And then if you have a great year and your DC leaves to go somewhere, then you can promote it from within. But we have the budget to go get somebody that you know is a good DC. Yeah. That you're not having to say, well, you know, he had a tough situation. Maybe we should give him another shot. This is not a risk-taking time. And I think that's what you see with you going and getting Derek Nix. He basically said, now is not the time to take the risk. He said, I'm going to be able to recruit as much as I can. I'm going to go get a, an elite recruiter at OC, and I'm going to call the poison. and I'm going to do more OC jobs because I need to win now. I think that he... He went all in on getting this class, and I think that the thought process was, hey, if we have a great class the first time, then it's not going to be as hard on the second class to convince people, like, hey, why not us? But if you suck both years, it's going to be hard, even if you're out there recruiting, because people are going to start being in the ear, like, hey, he's kind of getting on the hot seat now. So I think Q's plan was, hey, year one, I'm going to come in, I'm going to get an X's and O's guy for OC. I want him to call the plays. I'm going to be out on the recruiting trail, have a good thing. I think that the X's and O's were significantly worse than what he was expecting them to be, and he kind of had to step in, and so it put him in an awkward spot. He, I think, planning the entire time was going to come in and call plays this year. I I think that that was going to just be the reality of the situation. And so then when he had to get rid of the X's and O's guy, he realized that he can probably recruit and do X's and O's if he has some elite recruiters underneath him, and that's what he did. So I, I think that it's... It's under control. I think we still need some defensive linemen, though. I think that quarterback and D-line are massive, massive question marks right now. And that's concerning because those are very important positions. I think that I feel good about the offensive line, and this is the first time. I think that in a couple years, this is not going to be an average offensive line. This has the potential to be one of the top-tier offensive lines in the SEC this year to the point that you're seeing guys enter the portal from Alabama – and you're like, I don't think Auburn's going to go pursue him. I don't think that Auburn needs to go and get that guy. Like, I think that they're set on the offensive line, defensive line and quarterback. Those are going to be big time issues. And I don't think we'll have a good idea. I think that they are going to have to see what Walker White looks like in spring and then make a decision as to whether it's worth going and dropping a bag on a big time quarterback. I think that Cam Ward, there was talk with him. I think that they felt like they were getting held over the barrel for a bunch of money. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not 100% sure. And so didn't go after Cam Ward, and we'll see what happens in the summer. But I I think that the problem is that you're not going to see a big-time quarterback enter the portal after the spring window. Like, you know, if if you're a big-time quarterback, in my opinion, the only guys that you're going to see are, you know, with – you looked at, like, Georgia – you know, there was always rumors that Brock Vandegrift was always going to hit the portal before he actually did. Obviously, he did uh, this offseason, went to Kentucky. But it's going to be someone that's highly ranked, very unproven, and lost a starting job in the spring. Do you think we go after, uh, what's his name, the Bama guy, Singer or Singer? Oh, Cyan, J- J- uh, Julian Cyan, Cyan, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think so, mostly because of the money. I think that he, you know he's the number he was the number one quarterback in his class. I don't think he, I don't think that this staff wants to spend the money on that. That that's my opinion. I'd be I'd be perfectly happy. I mean, obviously, if we landed the number one quarterback in the class, I would definitely be with it. I think that Hugh Freeze wants Walker White to be the guy. I think he believes in Walker White. I think he was the the guy that he picked in this class, and I think that he's going to ride with him. And and ultimately it. 
you you would have you have to start sign you know if you land him I, I actually don't know how to pronounce his name I could yeah. be saying it wrong but if if you land him you got to start him you can't pay you know a million dollars for or you a know eight hundred thousand dollars a million dollars for a backup quarterback to Peyton Thorne you know so does I think- Peyton Thorne get processed if you go get him. The the problem is it, it's very risky to process a guy that was your starting quarterback. You yeah. know, it's 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 a bad look. It's but not, does he leave without being processed? If you bring that guy in, he is, could. I, I think I think Thorne he would. Leave. I, I I don't think so. I think Thorne is a. I genuinely do think that Thorne is a team first guy. You did see this year, he had a very good attitude about the situation with him and Robbie. So no, I think he would try and win the job. I don't really know where his options would lie if he enters the portal. So I I think he'd stay, but I I really don't think that that's, I personally don't think that's going to happen. I think Peyton Thorne or Walker White will be the guy starting this season. I mean, he'll have options. Heck, Robbie Ashford, I I was, I could not believe that Robbie Ashford got offered by an SEC school. I am dumbfounded and he is going to go and ride the bench and come in and have special packages just like he did at Auburn last year. And I, I'm the only thing I can think of is he's going to get paid more. I think the attractive thing about Robbie Ashford is the same thing that we were saying going into this year is you did see every once in a while there were flashes. I mean, he did throw for over 300 yards against the SEC West champions. In yes, but they, they have a big time quarterback at South Carolina. They are literally bringing him in to be Taysom Hill. And I, I guess know. he gets paid more money. Regardless, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I think that it just, I think it depends. Different coaches, different staffs have to do different things. I can't imagine that Robbie is has the same NIL valuation as the number one quarterback in the class either. But so moving forward, I don't think Auburn will really know where they lie until week one. Really, especially with the defensive line, I think that's going to be a unit that, that we we all had question marks this year, and Marcus Harris was the guy that kind of stepped up that we knew was solid, but he raised up to be really good. And I think that that is the thing. Can can a guy, can Keldrick Falk take a big step into a sophomore year? Can Amaris Williams come in and be just Carl Lawson? You know, like, can you get one of those guys to make a big step? If the answer is yes, your defensive line will probably be very similar to what it was this year. So not a strong point of the team, but by 2025, it'll be the strong point of the yeah. team. And if it's not, you know, you have a bad defensive line and you deal with it. But moving forward, um, you know, the 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 last thing that I kind of wanna kind of wanna harp on with the the offensive the offensive staff coming in with the freshmen coming in, you have one more kind of crown jewel left that could possibly join the class ryan williams feel like you got to talk about it ryan williams decommitted from alabama when kalen DeBoer was hired you know you have auburn alabama and texas are lined up to get the the last three visits still where do you think that auburn lies with ryan williams i felt really good about it until i started watching some of ryan williams content and then i realized that he would not ever come to auburn he is using he is playing us like a fiddle. He is playing us to get extra clout. Anybody that takes a video with Roll Tide Willie is doing it for the clout. Did have you seen the Ryan Williams Roll Tide Willie? I have not, no. 
They are literally standing there hugging each other, and he is wearing Roll Tide Willie's T-shirt, Blitz Bama Blitz. And he says with Roll Tide Willie, I don't give a piss about nothing but the Tide. Goodness. Anyway, it will at least be very funny if he comes to Auburn and he has the Roll Tide Willie video for us to all meme blast. Now, it's going to be Texas or Alabama, in my opinion. I agree. and, And the reason that I say that is I think that if it were going to be Auburn, when he decommits from Bama, there would have been a rush of stuff saying, hey, he's going to go to Auburn. It, Auburn was really his number two, and he was really torn. The fact that the day he commits from, decommits from Alabama, Texas all of a sudden becomes a massive player in all of the media says, okay, I need another player to be in here because like, I was going to go to Alabama, mm. and now I'm not going to Auburn, so I need to say where I actually will go to compete with Auburn to just keep it going. I would love it if he comes. I think it'd be great if he comes. I just, it seems very, very like Auburn's getting played in this situation. And I don't know, does it seem to you like Auburn's almost backed off? Or maybe it's just, you know, we are not, I think it's just not that much you can say. Yeah, I think it's just that there's not really anything to say until the visits. You know, I think that the visits are when stuff happens. I mean, nothing's changing. You know, like Ryan Williams isn't going to be the kind of guy where talking on the phone with a coach is really going to change anything. I think that he has to, you have to wait and see what happens with Alabama. I think that's one of the biggest things he's waiting on. He'll go on a visit to Texas, and I think that if Auburn can get him on campus and he doesn't fall in love with Alabama's new staff or Texas on that visit, I think Auburn might have a chance. I I don't think he comes to Auburn, but I will say T-Rob getting hired at Georgia is good for Auburn. I think that that really hurts Bama. I think that ultimately I think – if I had to put a prediction in right now, I would say he goes to Texas. Me too. And I think that Auburn might have an edge over Alabama since T-Rob is no longer there. Well, but... I think he doesn't have any relationships with anybody at Alabama right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, are you going to really build a relationship? I mean, and it might be that the NIL is that good because, I mean, DeBoer needs a guy. Yeah. And so the NIL at Alabama might be a whole lot more. Than yeah. And I, I think that it would be a massive win early for DeBoer to keep Ryan Williams. Ryan Williams obviously likes the school. He's visited multiple times. He has friends in the class. Like, I, I think that he, he doesn't have a great relationship with the coaching staff. But also, if he has the mindset where he's like, well, you know, you can look at what Roma Dunze and what all those guys at Washington did. He knows he's going to be utilized. You know, he knows what. You know, he can watch that receivers can flourish in that system. He has friends on the team. He likes the school. I mean, it, it, it could. And he can always transfer if it sucks. Exactly. And become Isaiah Bond and get paid out it, to Wazoo. Exactly. To so we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens with Ryan Williams. But moving on to the basketball arena, Auburn is having a great year. Today, uh, you got, you know, the Flanagan's return to Auburn. Auburn just is coming off of wins against LSU. Vanderbilt had a great showing against AM, finally beating Buzz Williams, who has been the thorn in Bruce Pearl's side for his entire career at Auburn. Um, obviously a huge win against Arkansas. Arkansas might be picking it up a little bit. They beat uh beat AM in a crazy game the other night. So we either just kind of more more going into, you know, you have Ole Miss tonight, you have Alabama on Wednesday. That's really you know, in my opinion, the the game that everyone's watching. You know, you have Alabama and Auburn, both the only undefeated teams left in the SEC. Whoever wins that is really going to have, 
you know, a really, really solid lead on the on the rest of the, the competition early with Kentucky and Tennessee already having a loss. So, either how do you feel about, A, this Auburn team, how they're moving into conference play, and just really how you think they'll they'll proceed in the in the coming weeks? Yeah, I feel really good about the team solely because there's 11 guys that are playing. And so, if you have a couple of guys having an off night, there's somebody to pick up the slack. I am concerned that we have – we have not put together a complete game in a few weeks and we've been up big on a couple of teams. I think that you look at the LSU game. Okay. So Auburn's up what, like 35 and gives up a 28 point run. Okay. that That's not good at all. We were able to weather the storm and win. LSU is a mid to lower sec team. Same thing. I thought Vanderbilt, everybody was happy that we were up 15 the whole time. Vanderbilt is awful. They are. I mean, they've won like five games. It should not have been a within striking distance game the entire game. Auburn hasn't played well the past couple weeks. We've had some big wins against some really bad teams. And so that concerns me with this Ole Miss team because this Ole Miss team is good. They're not great, all right? They're not going to win the SEC, but they're in the top half of the conference. And if Auburn doesn't play well today or doesn't play well for a half, they'll lose. If they play like they did in the second half against LSU, they will not beat this Ole Miss team. So with all that being said, I I think that Bruce summarized it best when he said the team is better than everybody thought they would be before the season, but the team is not as good as everybody thinks that they are now. And and I totally agree with that statement. I think that they, they have the capability to be as good as everybody thinks they are right now, but they haven't put it together. Mm -hmm. And it's just been that they, have made shots at the very end of the game to keep games uh, from losing games. I think that tonight could be a, an interesting, uh, an interesting game. I I don't feel great about beating Ole Miss tonight. I don't know why. Noble feels supremely confident. Says we're a fifteen point favorite. There's no way we lose. I could see us losing by ten. See, I think so. My thing, my thing with Ole Miss is I think they are the most fraudulent ranked team in the top twenty five. I think you know they they didn't play anyone good in non-conference play. They they go in, they start conference play with Tennessee and got absolutely abused. I mean it was not close at all. To their credit, they do you know put up good performances against Florida and Vanderbilt and win, lost to LSU in a game that was closer than the score indicated. You know, I'll, I'll give them that. They 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 hung with LSU and Baton Rouge. I just I I think that I think that Auburn at home is a very consistent team to bet on. I think that Auburn at home is not going to struggle against a team that's not that good. Uh, I think Allen Flanagan is either going to have a really good game or a really bad game tonight. You know, Allen was always, you know, the the it, he was. I think he was a more quality. You know how everyone says KD giveth and taketh away. Mm-hmm. I think Allen Flanagan reminds me a lot of that, but his giveth was like wow. This guy is incredible, and his taketh away was like, you know, how does how does he turn that out? You know, how does he do that? I just don't remember Allen having those games where he was that great. I don't remember Allen taking over games other than the twenty twenty season for like three games last year. And I was talking about this with someone the other day. Last year, Allen was a very good guy at breaking runs and just the kind of guy where you can give him the ball. And let him let him do something and break the break the opponent's run. I think that Allen is going to be the focal point. I think uh, Allen and Morrell are going to be the two guys that you have to stop with Ole Miss. I think that Auburn will be 
able to stop one of those guys. I think Allen is going to be the toughest one because I don't think that Auburn really has a guy defensively that matches up great against them. Could you have Jalen Williams who can be with them, but I don't know if I like that matchup as much on the perimeter. You have Chad Baker, Mazzara and Chris Moore that can hang with them a little bit on the perimeter, but inside, you know, I think Chris Moore might get into foul trouble if he's defending Allen a lot inside. I think Chad's a little too skinny to go up against Allen inside. So it'll be interesting to see how Auburn deals with Allen Flanagan on the defensive end. But overall, I, I don't think Ole Miss is a good enough team uh, to beat Auburn. I think that top to bottom LSU is better than Ole Miss is. And Auburn came out in the first half and knew that LSU was a good team and was blowing them out. And I think the problem with this Auburn team right now is that they haven't played a close game in a while. And yeah. I think that that's what they really need. And I, I hope that – I really do hope this game is closer because I think Auburn needs a little bit more experience in playing close games. I mean, if you look at Allen's stats, he is literally having his 2020 season at Auburn reincarnated, and he's just shooting better at the free throw line, and that's where his extra points come from. And so, I mean – I don't I, I'm just not that concerned about Allen going off now. Uh Morell, he he's a guy that could really cause some issues for Auburn. So I don't know. I I'm intrigued to see how it goes. I don't think I don't think that this will be the close game. I think we're either gonna win big or lose big. I don't foresee this being a close game. I think that the close game is gonna come when we play Alabama. Yeah. And I don't feel great about that game either. You know, Wednesday night, um, Alabama is screaming hot right now in SEC play. They played a really tough non-conference. They are not going to be intimidated by Auburn no. in the least. They, they have seen Auburn. The thing about Alabama, though, is in the games against good teams, they fade late in the second half. Yeah, And that is what Auburn does. So Auburn's going to have to keep that game close on Wednesday, keep it close through the half, and then I feel good about a second-half performance if it's close at halftime. What you can't do is go down 10 at the half. So I, I'm nervous about today's game. I'm nervous about Wednesday. I think that this is the – I know we've been in SEC play for a little bit now, but this is what I really consider SEC yeah. play. Now you're, you're playing teams that are actually decent teams. The teams that Auburn has played in SEC play so far have not been good. LSU is not good. Vanderbilt's not good. Texas A&M is better than their record indicates. But they're not playing well right but now. But they're not – well, yeah, they're not playing well right now. Arkansas was playing like hot garbage when we played them. We haven't played an SEC team that is playing well that is good yet. Yeah, and I agree. And I think that this is where, like you said, this three-game stretch is really where you start seeing it because you see an Ole Miss team that's overperforming, which is just a typical – there's always one team in the SEC that was not meant to be very good that's having a really good year. You play them. Then you go and play Alabama, who's tied for you at the top of the SEC. Play them on the road. That's going to be an emotional rivalry game. Then an underrated game. You go into Starkville and play a Mississippi team, a Mississippi State team that's playing very, very sneaky good basketball this season. No one expected them to be as good as they are. So, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think this three-game stretch, two of them are on the road. If Auburn goes 3-0 and in this week, I think that there is a legitimate chance that this team gets at least a share of the conference championship. But if you start losing games this week, you start figuring out those problems that other teams have not been able to take advantage of quite yet. But, you know, I, I think that this is a very exciting time for Auburn basketball. And in the coming week, we are going to see how good this team is. And we're going to see, you know, is Jalen Williams still going to be that guy 
who is the best player on the team? You know, do we see more from Janai Broom? Do we see, you know, Aiden Holloway have a really big game? You know, do you see, and I think it'll be really interesting to see if Aiden can kind of just keep one. He, he seems to have, he's very streaky and his offense comes in three possessions. It feels like it feels like he goes four possessions early in the game where he has 10 points. Then he finishes the game with 11. Can Aiden Holloway have two or three of those stretches where he has a really big game in one of these, one of these nights. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this team reacts, how they band together against really quality opponents. And I think that this is, you know, this is what you get excited for, you know, watching SEC basketball. Yeah. This is, this is where the season becomes fun to me. I think we had kind of a lame non-conference and then the start of the conference was against terrible teams. And so this is the first game that I'm really looking forward to watching since the USC game and USC, you were really looking forward to watching because of the name on the Jersey, not because of the quality of the team that you were playing. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot, it's a lot of talent on the team, but if you look at how they're playing right now, especially since Collier went down, they've been bad. Yeah. I mean, they have been bad. So this is definitely a week for Auburn to improve their resume. A couple quad one wins that are going to be on the horizon if Auburn can finish it out. But Overall, you know, I think that wraps up this podcast. We'll be back next week breaking down the Ole Miss and Alabama games and hopefully announcing, you know, uh, the the final changes to to Auburn's football staff. But uh, as always, thank you guys so much for listening and War Eagle. War Eagle.